Hello, and welcome to Relics of Ore, episode 206. I am your host, Shongaku, filling in for Grybok. Tonight I am joined by Spirit and MMO Inks to talk about the Guild Wars 2 5th birthday, as well as the Elite Spec Preview Weekend that we just experienced. Buckle up, here we go. Hey everybody, uh, Inks, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on the show. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. I always love having guests on the show. Spirit, how are you? Hi, uh, I'm doing wonderful. I just had sushi for lunch, and so it can only be going up from, or wait, down from there. Never mind. That didn't go where I thought it was going to go, but it's a great day anyway, so. Did you get any tinfoil with that sushi? Um, I didn't, but you know, I'm always prepared, and I have some around here somewhere. Oh, God. Peter Friesen and I came up with the best of tinfoil hat things to talk about at the end of the show tonight. But we are not here to talk about my tinfoil hat theories. We are here to talk about the preview weekend that just occurred with the Scourge. And I'm going to say that because it's the Necromancer class and that's what I care about. But uh, we are joined, of course, by Inks, who... Inks, introduce yourself. Tell the Relics of War listeners who probably have heard of you from YouTube but maybe haven't about, you know, who you are and where they can find you. So I go by MMO Inks, sort of the, the longer name there, and I am a Guild Wars 2 YouTube content creator, Twitch affiliate, and a Guild a, an ArenaNet partner, or a Guild Wars 2 partner, rather. And I make content about Guild Wars 2, obviously, and I'm on a number of podcasts every week as well. You can find me uh, at MMO Inks on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. So it's the same name, nice and simple. Nice. So what uh, what other podcasts have you been on? So every week on Sundays, I do Tea Time with Mighty Teapot, usually Bootspur, and whatever other guests we have on. Uh, we we do Guild Gab uh, once a week. That The day sort of changes depending on when everybody is free now that Path of Fire information is coming out. And I also do Talking Script on Saturdays with uh, Deo, Age Night Road, and Malfanis. You are the podcast social butterfly, aren't you? <laughs> Love podcasts. Love them. Awesome. Well, it is always fun to have a new face on the show. Uh, speaking of new faces and doing lots of podcasts and stuff, what have you guys been up to in, uh, in Guild Wars 2 of Late Spirit? Oh, goodness. I just finished a huge karma grind for the first step of Aurora. I just made a legendary to sell right before the patch for episode six dropped and was caught with my pants down and pretty much zero karma. So I had to farm 700,000 for that. So I've been in fractals and Ember Bay mostly just grinding my face off. But I'm done. So now I can move on to the rest of the AP grind. Awesome. Inks, what have you been up to? I've been mostly doing the day, my sort of my daily routine where I, I, you know, I do my fractals every day. I do my gathering and such every day, trying to prepare for uh, Path of Fire. And I'm going to be starting a new character that I want to get ready for the expansion that I'll play the story through on. Nice. Which uh, which character are you thinking you're going to play through? Well, I let uh, I let my Twitch community decide what it was going to be, except for the race, which is going to be human. And so we'll be playing a female revenant human for the entirety of my initial story playthrough for Path of Fire. Very nice. 
I have been slowly but surely grinding my way towards Shoverer on the uh, on the broke side of building legendaries, where all the money you make goes into the legendary because you have no money. Which has been actually a lot of fun. It's sort of fun to craft that. So, all right, cool. Well, that is good to hear, guys. Uh, speaking of things that are going on in the Guild Wars in Guild Wars Two, have you guys gotten your birthday gifts yet? Yes, indeed. I did. Yes. What uh, What did you? Well, they're actually, I think, personally, pretty nice. What did you guys think? What did you think of them, Inks? Yeah, I thought they did a good job this year, and I think that uh, ArenaNet is getting better every year at building this like repeatable yearly basis to build on. First, we had backpacks that started in year four, and now we have a new weapon set that started this year. And I think that uh, being that these are once a year per account, I think it gives it a lot of longevity going forward. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of uh, what they ended up doing with miniatures in Guild Wars 1, where you get a voucher and then you could just buy a miniature over the years after they hit, like, what was that, year 7 or 8 or something? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which backpack did you go for, Inks? So the first year I went for Asura, and this year I went for Divinity's Reach, so human. Nice. Spirit, what what did you snag? Well, I had to rep Holbrack last year, of course, but... This year, I picked up the Azura one because it just looks the coolest. That Azura one is really dope. I That was what I grabbed last year because I was like, oh, it's shiny. And this year, I went with Char because it's just cool sort of like machined roly-poly thing. I like it. I'm going to throw it on my engineer. Have you guys picked up uh, your anniversary weapons yet? Inks, have you? I did, yeah. Uh, I think the weapon set is really great, actually. Uh, One of the better-looking sets, in my opinion. And it was certainly a tough decision, but I went with... Well, I had to take the sword. The sword matches the finisher, I think, from last year. Like, it's the Mm. same one. So I had to take the sword. And then I went with my main profession's uh, added weapon for Path of Fire. So I took dagger. Nice. Well, that's a that's an interesting idea. I haven't grabbed it yet because I looked at them. And I'm like, oh, they're all so pretty. There's the obvious choice of great sword, which is amazing, but they all are really quite fabulous. I need to figure out a character that I need to build a look around. Spirit, did you pick yours yet? I haven't. I've got a wonderful uh, choice paralysis for my birthday. Um, I was leaning towards the axe and the shield. I'm thinking I might do a firebrand based around them, but we'll see. Ooh, that would actually be a really cool firebrand. Oh, man. So, did you guys pick uh, your dies yet? Because I, I suppose we should just do a quick rundown of everything that they gave. I know that you can find it all over the internet, but for those of you who are not at your fifth fifth birthday yet, they added a new backpack skin, which I think is actually an exotic with choosable stats, two unique weapon skins, uh, a new die pack, which is different from the previous year's die packs, you get a two-week lounge pass, which is interesting. So that's more of like a, hey, the first shot's free, I think. Lounges are basically a location where you have crafting tables and the Mystic Forge and all that stuff around, uh, for those of you that are not familiar with them. You get 5K Karma and a random wardrobe account unlock, which that thing is always wonderful. Hunter was very displeased because he got something that he really didn't want and someone else got something amazing. What Did you guys <laughs> use those yet? Yep, I got a immortal yeah. torch. You got a um, what torch? Uh, the immortal weapon set, which comes wow. from uh, 
basically you can only get them in Gemstar bundles. I've been Man. super lucky with my wardrobe unlocks. I got the Immortal Sword with my last one. So I actually have two weapons from this and I haven't, I actually have bought a bundle, but similar to the anniversary weapons, my immortal box has been sitting in my bank for a thousand years waiting for me to decide what I want to do with it. Nice. Inks, what did you get? Um, it was a black lion skin. I actually don't remember which one. Uh, man, it was, I have a lot of stuff unlocked in my wardrobe. So unless it's like a key item I've been searching for, I don't always remember the weapons. Yeah, I got it. Was a black line weapon, nice. but good enough, right? <laughs> yeah, those are. I mean, they're all pretty. All the black line weapons are pretty cool for one reason or another. I got a uh, a miniature swamp uh, Drake. It's a green. Aww. It was. Aww. It was. It was like you roll the lottery and you're just like, oh, I I lost. <laughs> but uh, I did actually pick up a few using the gems that you get from the from the whatchamacallit buying ultimate path of fire yeah, yeah the ultimate edition i uh, i use those two actually this is my secret shame hunter will hunter will hate me for this forever but i picked up the uh the living world season one memories box and i got like 160 gears out Holy of that smokes. so i used that to fund a lot of my there wasn't like the skins were cool but i didn't necessarily like really need any of them so i used it to fund my legendary so i made a lot of progress on that but have either of you guys gone and picked up the picked up anything from those or picked up or gotten anything interesting from just the the free ones that they've been giving out so my my free ones, I have three accounts. My three ones didn't actually produce anything super useful, although I will say that there is a recipe that you can get for one sprocket that wasn't previously available unless you bought some RNG pack a really long time ago during Dragon Bash, I think it was. Um, oh. So it was nice to get that recipe finally, but... Out of my free ones, I didn't get anything that great. I did open a bunch of additional ones, and I had some people send me some additional ones, which is very nice of them. And I basically unlocked whatever, most of what I was missing from the first box that they released. Nice. Spirit, did you get anything out of them? Eh, I got a Toxic Mantle skin, which is a Gemstar skin. I can't remember how much it was worth, but I didn't buy it at the time, which means that I didn't really want it that much the gem store skin so i can't be like yeah. i got a thing but nee. yeah well maybe it can go on to a plant build i don't believe in silvarius <laughs> <laughs> well we've been talking about the uh guild wars 2's birthday which has been a lot of fun to get these gifts but uh inks you just had a birthday according to twitter as well so happy <laughs> birthday to us from relics of war thank you i will not ask you how old you are 21 Oh, there we go. <laughs> so you're just like the store forever 21? Nothing like the store, but I am I I just turned 21. It's a good time. Oh, <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, well, let's uh get into the meat of this episode and that is the preview weekend. How did you guys We're going to first start off with just talking about how we approached it and what we did in the weekend. So, or just generally how we approached the weekend. So, Spirit, how did you approach this weekend? Uh, poorly. 
I so I got in and I was like, yeah, elite specs, gonna do the thing. Rolled my characters and immediately got inundated by people from relics and and my raid guild and everything. Everyone's going, oh my god, spirit, look at this because it, the patch of course goes live well before I'm awake. So I got in and just got whispers and whispers like, oh my god, Weaver, oh my god, check out this and oh I got this build idea. So I. Kind of just rolled a bunch of characters, looked at all the utilities, and then ran around with friends going, oh, look at this cool thing I can do. And I'm like, yeah, look at that cool thing you can do. <laughs> so I didn't really have a lot of time to myself to just kind of work through rotations or anything. But I got to experience a lot of what was out there. I think I rolled one of every character and looked at all the skills and traits. I made builds on a few, but I didn't really go hardcore theory crafting other than what other people were telling me. That is the curse of being the Guild Wars 2 uh, raid den mother, I think, where everyone's just like, oh, spirit knows these builds because you've literally played all of them in raids, haven't you? I mean, not uh, the new ones, but the other quite builds. possibly. So, well, Inks, what did you get up to? Your notes suggest that you got to play some a lot. Yeah, so my first, um, my first introduction to the weekend, I spent a lot of time playing with Soul Beast. Ranger is sort of my main class. It has been for a long time. Um, so obviously Soul Beast was <laughs> Soul Beast was the one that I wanted to spend the most time with, and so I sat down and really tried to work through that. Now, unfortunately, it was a PvP World vs. World demo weekend, but I was trying to work out a PvE build because that's sort of what is more important to me, which is a little difficult in PvP, but not impossible. And so that's where I spent most of my time the first day, was just playing with that one class for, I don't know, a couple of hours maybe. Nice. So you uh, you really got to know that one pretty well from like a combat. I suppose PvP and WVW are both very different though than the usual uh, PV, PvE that you're playing with these guys you would expect to play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the role in which Soul Beast fills in World vs. World and pvp are is quite a bit different than i think we're going to see it play in pve raids and fractals and so forth yeah i uh for me during the weekend what i did is i logged in and like spirit i made every single class and i mostly chatted with evie from our guild who's been on the show uh before uh i chatted with him a lot about sort of what the what the professions what the new specs were doing and how they how they functioned and and sort of a very light theory crafting and built one of each class went through all the skills looked at all the really incredible animations that, and just art that they had for these and then also used each skill sort of went through all the traits and looked for synergies with other traits it was a lot of theory crafting and just looking at visual effects rather than just straight up when I, when a spell needed to have a target i went and found a a golem that wasn't dead and cast it on it and was like, oh, okay, I can sort of see these. And so that that was mostly my experience. So not a lot of like active experience with the actual classes aside from just really enjoying seeing all of their their amazing effects. Why do you, which speaking of which, since all three of us are primary PVEers, why do you think that there wasn't any PVE this weekend, Inks? So it's just a guess from my part. I, I really don't know how ArenaNet uh, sets up their demos or whatever, but the general construction of the both demo weekends feels a lot like 
what you would experience at a PAX or a Gamescom or any sort of other um, convention, really. Now, ArenaNet isn't really taking this to any of those conventions, as far as I'm aware, but it feels like that's how they constructed it. That's sort of how it was generally constructed for Heart of Thorns, even though that had, you know, a much longer life cycle for betas and demos and so forth, and so that changed as it went along, but it feels like this is just how they built it for the start of it, and I guess on some levels it makes sense because it's easier to switch around builds and layouts in PvP than sort of the dated gear that they give you for World vs. World or a PvE experience. It's a bit of a shame, but I know it is what it is, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spirit, did you have any other thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, nothing to really base it on, but I had to wonder about whether they were just trying to focus people into PvP and World Be World to because uh, we're at a point right now where Path of Fire is getting quite a lot of media exposure. People are coming back to the game, new people are joining into the game. I feel like they kind of wanted to funnel people into World Be World and PvP to show off that they have changed since maybe people have played the game last, or just get like attention focused on those areas. I mean, it who knows, but I had to wonder about that maybe. Yeah, I mean, that is one thing that they do talk about with WVW, is that WVW is one of their stickiest content. People who get hooked into it just seem to just keep coming back. Even even some PvE folk, like I'll read bloggers who are like, yeah, I went into WVW and then I joined a guild, and now all of a sudden, I've been PvPing for three years, and normally I like to PvE solo, so... I can understand why they might want to direct new people into into that game mode because I think it does convert people pretty effectively. All right. Well, do you guys have any general thoughts about the weekend before we just dive into the actual specs themselves? So my my general thoughts are I really wish that we could have had access to the Aerodrome Golem, the the PVE sort of DPS testing golem or and or the the crystal desert demo map i think that it gives players sort of a different perspective when you're playing in those environments and one of the downsides uh, there's upsides and downsides to the way they chose to do it uh, you know i think you're you're right in that it focuses attention on world vs world and pvp which have both had recent significant changes to reward structure and lobby layout and so forth and so i can understand them wanting to show that off the downsides to that is it for the PvP lobby, it was a cramped experience where there were limited number of golems and you sort of had to share. And that can be really difficult for testing because you're not quite sure how many burning stacks am I putting on this golem or you know how much damage am I really doing. It's not so easy to sort of calculate some of that stuff or really get a feel for the class's power unless you take it into a live pvp match and then you know you sort of have to be good at adapting to those situations constantly changing the build and toying with what works and what doesn't work for say mirage for example and not everybody's into that kind of testing some people just want to put on you know the new elite spec and run around and hit a couple of monsters and see what it sort of feels like and I'm not sure how much of that experience rings through into a pvp or world vs world environment yeah, Spirit. What do you? Uh, any general thoughts? No, I. I mean, I completely agree. I think I'm not too heartbroken about not having been able to play it in PVE. I'm kind of just content to wait because it's only 
gosh, four like, weeks what, away. Three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I um, just did a count. I was like, holy smokes, that is the fastest turnaround I think for an MMO expansion announcement outside of like EverQuest. But yeah, I think. Uh, I I don't know. I felt like I was imposing on the PVPers, right? Like I was there to do PVE testing using their golems and their stuff and making a mess of everything. I, oh man, you know what else I had a heartbreak about? That we, we don't have the same stats in PVE as they do in PVP. I want diviners gear real bad. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well then, let's jump into talking about the specific specs. Uh, is there any spec that you are personally extremely passionate about, Spirit? Uh, well, you know, I wouldn't mind talking about the Soul Beast, because I know Inks has got a lot to say about that. I played a fair amount of it as well. Uh, I've been a Druid main since Heart of Thorns. Uh, kind of changed Ranger enough for me that it caught my interest, so I'm actually really curious to see what Inks has to say about it. I also have very strong opinions about the Soul Beast. It is true. But wow, that's that's pretty exciting then, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my opinions are a bit uh, on the ridiculous side in that if you merge with a Morello, you do not get the poison vomit ability, which was heartbreaking. <laughs> oh, I love Morello so much, and I didn't get their key ability. So then, since I am now heartbroken about the Soul Beast, Inks, what did you what did you think? Let's just yeah, let's just jump into Soul Beast. All right, so you know, so when Heart of Thorns came out, we got Druid, which, to be honest, I wasn't super thrilled with Druid at first, and that's not because of its viability, because it's one of the key classes in any endgame content, but it's just not generally my playstyle. Uh, since then, obviously, I've grown into the class, but my initial Heart of Thorns impression was was that I didn't love Druid, even though it was super powerful right off the bat. And Soul Beast, I'm having the initial concept and idea for Soul Beast I love. I think a lot of players are sort of happy to ditch the pet. And it's a bit odd because I've always been somebody in MMOs who enjoys the general pet classes, which has which is a whole other interesting topic in itself on how good or bad those pets can be in other games, even in Guild Wars 2. But a lot of players were looking forward to ditching the pet and Soul Beast allows you to do that with Beast Mode. I do like the fact that rather than just ditching the pet outright, you do you have the option to basically merge with the beast through Beast Mode. So that if you just want to sort of do a very casual runabout and you don't and you want to have your pet out, you can. And it allows those players who maybe don't necessarily want to always not have their pet still have their pet while still being able to experience the the spec on some level. Now, they are getting main hand dagger. Spirit, uh, tell us a little bit about, did you get to spend much time on the dagger? Uh, you know, I looked at it a little bit. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Inks, it's got uh, like poison condies on the auto. Maybe some bleeds. And then I can't remember what the two is. And the three was interesting to me because it has quickness and it has charges. Yeah, the dagger is an interesting weapon. Um... <laughs> so, number one, the auto attack feels a little bit slow. I've heard that from a lot of people. You can sort of feel it in the game. Even when you're on, say, an Asura character, which gives you a false perception of speed because of their size, the dagger auto attack feels a little bit slow. 
that's again a lot of these nitpicks that I sort of have with the class are a numbers thing, and I sort of hate to focus on numbers so much because in the first three months after release, numbers are going to change for every elite specialization in every profession a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So while the constructive feedback I think is important, it's also important not to get too hung up on the numbers and focus too much on oh this class is too underpowered or too overpowered and it ruins the class because those can all be adjusted um and dagger yeah dagger is an interesting one because it has sort of a a slight uh, gap closer which is nice it does have that number three which gives quickness the only problem with the number three on dagger is that soul beast's trait lines has the ability to give quite a bit of quickness. And as we'll find out with some of the other elite specializations, for some reason, we have this, <laughs> I don't want to call it the quickness disease, but there is quickness everywhere. Everybody is quick, apparently. And um, I don't know, I feel like it's becoming this slightly overused thing. Uh, it does make it interesting because quickness is important for increasing your DPS generally speaking. But I would be surprised when it comes to PvE rotations if the quickness ends up getting used. I I think it's going to be auto attack number two, and then it's going to be like your offhand weapon, which will be a torch or something like that. Yeah, I I see it for Condi Ranger probably replacing Axe, since the main hand Axe doesn't do a lot of Condis. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be true. What did you uh, guys think of the of merging with your beast and getting those abilities, Inks? How did that how did that play out for you uh, when you were experimenting with it? So overall, and this was a lot of work on ArenaNet's part. So I don't mean to sort of diminish that work in any way. They talked a lot on their dev diary and on that on their Twitch show about how much work was really involved and. You sort of forget as a ranger, at least I do anyway, on how many pets there really are because the pets, for players who might not be very well aware, pets are a ranger's utility. Uh, they're, they're an incredible utility for the ranger. And so it's important that you have that pet and you have the right pet given the situations you find yourself in. And oftentimes that pet field can be pretty narrow for the content that you play. It's sort of the higher end game. But there are a lot of pets, and I think Soul Beast opens up the possibility of these pets in a pretty big way, which is rather interesting. It it sort of revives some of the pets that might not have been such a, a key choice before now. Yeah, I think it was an uh, interesting take on... It kind of remixes what the pets can do, right? Like, there's a... Within a family, they have similar abilities on the Soul Beast, and then... Within a type, there's like a power type, condi type, support type, and you can look at it that way. So you can mix and match what you want. Oh, I want a condi CC pet, or oh, I want a you know a defensive condi pet, or whatever. You can mix and match these subtypes. And so I'm looking at bears and pigs in ways that I haven't in a long time for utility, which is awesome. Do pigs let you find truffles? Yes. When you when you know, you I didn't know till recently. I'm a I'm a baby ranger main. I've only been a ranger main for a little while. Pigs actually the forage skill uh, gives you different items depending on which pig you use. So like I, I think the warthog has like always condi. Simoth is going to give you support like ectos and 
feathers or whatever. I don't know. It was a neat little detail I found out recently. I thought they were all the same. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, and there's a lot of pets in the game, and I think that a lot, a, a number of the pets get overlooked because they had previously sort of, I guess, a bit underwhelming abilities for, you know, some of the, like fractals and stuff. Let's say. Yeah, where they weren't the top tier DPS or damage mitigation at X moment, and so it was they they sort of fell out of favor. They they did now, like I said, they did a really good job with almost all of the pets. There are a few jaguar, for example, which is actually in an odd place. For those who might be a little less aware, as a ranger player, jaguar used to be the top sort of power DPS pet that you would take. Uh, this was before Tiger, who gives Fury, which can be important for a group. But he is not he now he he's supposed to be a ferocious pet, and he is when he's out. But when you beast mode with him, he becomes a I believe it's a I believe it's a supportive pet. No, he becomes versatile. I think, which is weird because he should be ferocious, but. The, the, uh, one of the other cats gets ferocious over him, which is just a bit strange. Yeah, cats overall are in a weird place, aren't they? Because there's like seven or eight cats, and most families have four or five things total. Yeah, and I I don't know why they made Jaguar versatile instead of ferocious, but um, I don't know. Maybe that's something that they might address later. Uh, because Jaguars, as a versatile pet, get something called... Uh, uh, prelude Lash, which is an immobilize and a pull. Um, this is something that it gives the ranger when you soul beast with it, and it doesn't really doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for that particular pet. But uh, so anyway, that that was really the only pet that stood out to me as sort of misplaced. But the other ones seem to pretty much be where they should be, or where you would expect them to be anyway. So did you? Uh have a chance to make any builds that you're looking at? What what did you end up coming up with in your theory crafting? So I think Soul Beast primarily it's it's sort of interesting and when we talk about Mirage, they have sort of the opposite issue that Soul Beast has. Right before this demo, there was a patch that nerfed Condi Ranger. Now this nerf came mostly via foods, but it also affected uh, a number of their traits were also affected, which hurt their damage as well. But Soul Beast is absolutely going to be some sort of Condi spec, um, which could be perhaps viewed as a bit boring because you're going to use a lot of the old utilities rather than the new ones, which we can talk about in a minute, for the most part. Uh, and this is in PvE, obviously. And it, I, I think once testing is done, you'll find that it will be a slight buff to the old Condi Ranger build because we do get better traits. We do get better... Uh, access to uh, an increased power from the pets and the rotation that's involved there. And Dagger is probably a slight buff over Axe as well. So this Condi Soul Beast is going to be slightly better than old Condi Ranger, which can be exciting. But the really exciting thing for me is that currently, if you look at the numbers, uh, Power Ranger or, or a power setup on a Ranger is about Power Druid, for example, is about 3,000 behind Condi uh, Druid or Condi Ranger. And that gap is much closer now than it has been in a very long time for Ranger. And so what's really exciting is that Soul Beast it does have 
uh, a number of traits and uh, other bonuses that make power something that could be viable. That's awesome to hear because power has been frowned upon, at least in the high end PVE for quite a while now. Yeah, you can, there's, so there's sort of a combo with Sikkim currently that can, can often see Rangers hitting 14 to 18k, uh, malls, which is Greatsword 2. And that's pretty exciting because it's, it's pretty consistent. It's not, so in PvP and World vs. World, it's more of a one trick pony, but in PvE, it's something that you can repeat several times over. And of course, there's a rotation that isn't so clear cut just yet, but I'm sure will be soon enough. And I don't know that it's going to overtake Condi, but if it can get even closer than it currently is, which I think it can, then I think power has the ability to be much more interesting to play than perhaps Condi currently is. That could be very cool. I um I actually didn't look at the meta builds. I kind of messed around and made my own. There was one trait that really caught my eye, which was uh, whenever you gain quickness, all of boons on you are extended by two seconds, and it's got a five-second internal cooldown. So I went around messing with how many boons I could just poop out. Uh, I theorycrafted it a little bit with someone in the guild and we were calling it the Comedy Boon Ranger. And we got uh, incredible, I mean, Ranger already does incredible fury, 25 stacks of might, share it again with uh, We Heal as One, and then all of the traits that give you boons. We we're getting incredible, incredible stacks of boons. The cool thing that I found was using, I think it was a pig pet. It was one, It was something in the pig family, but I'm not sure if it was pig or a different one. Uh, one of those gives you resistance. And so you can start refreshing that using all these different cooldowns. So you get resistance and then you hit the dagger skill and you extend your resistance and then you hit your heal as one and you extend it more and then you hit the dagger skill again and you hit it more and then you proc it from a trait or quickening Zephyr and you just keep extending this, this, uh, resistance over and over, which I thought was a pretty cool, uh, play style. Actually, uh, part of the reason I looked into this is because the Condi variant was what everyone was talking about. Like, oh yeah, it's going to make Condi Ranger better, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I, basically you said, oh, it's not that different from the old one, right? Like we've got this increased power, but it could be kind of boring because it's the same as the old one. And I was definitely feeling that too, uh, where you're using the old utilities, doesn't really change the play style. It just uses like a couple different traits, maybe a couple different skills. Uh, but I was really bummed about that because, I mean, I like my Condi Ranger well enough, but... I'm looking for something new at this point, so I was kind of disappointed to see that it wasn't changing the meta all that significantly. But I'm, I, I am interested in some of the traits and how we can do some off-meta builds with those. Yeah, and that, that's really some exciting stuff. And I think there's another thing too, where currently a lot of players, and of course it's just a demo weekend. We haven't had extended time with it, but a lot of players will sit in one pet. They won't leave beast mode when. Really, I think that you're going to find optimal play will be to leave beast mode, use that pet, switch the pet, use the pet, enter beast. Like there's going to be a dance that you need to do, mm-hmm. which sort of sounds a little complicated and it does feel a little bit clunky. And so I've seen a suggestion from players where they want to switch pets while in beast mode rather than having to leave. And this way you would leave beast mode to use the util- the extra utility when you want to rather than all these extra switches that really just sort of bog down uh, like a rotation, let's say. But 
we'll see sort of how that pans out. Mm. So how do you think that the Soul Beast is going to compare? Like, when the Druid came out, it was really strong, and it was the first healing uh, profession spec in Guild Wars 2 uh, that was really just supposed to be your, like, support healer spec. How does... uh? How do you feel their design sort of over the te- over time now? How do you feel this like stands up to Druid? Like, will Rangers still mostly pick Druid, do you think, just because it is going to be super utility still and people like that? Or do you think that Soul Beast is really going to be something that a certain subset of Rangers are going to be attracted to? I would say the latter. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Soul Beast is, is weird because there's a lot of different ways you can build it, right? Like, they seem to be encouraging this, like, oh, you can take a support Soul Beast. And then I'm like, well, I don't have my staff or my glyphs, so how am I supposed to, like, actually put out that support and stuff? That's kind of a bummer. Um, but I think it'll definitely be the latter, where, where players will gravitate towards one or the other. They're very different. They don't um, necessarily overlap in the same spheres. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. I don't know. That's my take on it right now, anyway. I think they they will still both be used pretty heavily. Druid Druid is not going to get replaced by anything in this elite in this pack of elite specs because there's nothing that can replace Grace of the Land yet. Absolutely, hundred um, percent. Druid and Chronomancer are in a unique position where they're just not replaceable, and you're going to still need Druids. Uh, at least a druid, if not two, in, say, like a raid composition because of Grace of the Land, for example. And even though a lot of things are given quickness now, um, of course, Chronomancers bring alacrity in droves. And other things give alacrity, but just not as consistent as a Chronomancer. So, like, those two classes are in a very special, unique situation. And Soul Beast, for me, I sort of view it as currently or let's say before the last patch, it was not uncommon for you to have two druids in a raid group, but also take additional Condi Rangers as a DPS, depending on the boss situation. And I think Soul Beast will refill that role. I think that mm-hmm. as additional DPS, that's where it will sort of shine. And there's also a possibility that I didn't mention with a new stat set coming with Path of Fire called Grievers, where Soul Beast might be one of the professions that falls into this hybrid Condi power build that it that it can dish both out on enough of a level and it's really sort of a DPS class rather than support. And Grace of the Land is really the cause for that, but uh, yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, I think we've talked a lot about Soul Beast. You guys have, have certainly said quite a bit. I What do you guys think of the new pets that we are now encountering in Path of Fire? Uh, Inks, what did you think of the new pets? Did you get a chance to look at them and engage with them? Yeah. Um, so, the new pets. Interesting. I'm always happy to get new pets. Pets are, are always interesting to sort of collect, see what they're going to add to the game. Heart of Thorns did a great job with adding useful pets, and I think that Path of Fire is going to do the same thing. I'm a little disappointed in the Sand Lion. I kind of just wanted a lion, you know? with a classical looking lion and it's more of this rocky you know you're in the desert and i guess i don't know they want to make it look special um there's a cheetah that looks like a blue mystical cat i'm not sure what's going on yeah, it doesn't look both like a the, cheetah <laughs> both of the cats have rock on them which <laughs> i've i had 
all of the cat pets from the desert in Guild Wars 2. I don't remember, or in Guild Wars 1, I don't remember them having rocks growing out of them. So that's an interesting uh, change from Guild Wars 1, where there's now these rocky cats that... Uh, yeah, yeah. But they all seem they all seem pretty cool. The gazelle was a little bugged, and it was doing way more damage than it should have been doing in the demo. The cool thing about the gazelle is not even so much the damage it was doing, but that it's a power pet that has a, has the same knockback as the blue wyvern, wyvern, however you say it. So ah. that means it has the same CC capabilities, which is why you take that pet to begin with. But its DPS might be slightly higher than that pet, meaning it might be an optimal choice going forward. Oh, that's awesome. I loved. I thought the Rock Gazelle was so cute, but I didn't really look at the skills very much. I didn't mess around with any Is pets. Is it much. basically a flesh golem then for the charge? Um, well, the charge on the Gazelle, it's hard to tell because it was, like I said, it was a bit bugged. But the charge in the Gazelle sort of works like a fiery greatsword currently, works the same as that oh, charge. okay. Which is why it was doing like 30,000 damage when it shouldn't have been. So I'm not sure what ArenaNet's actual intention on the charge is, but that's how it's sort of currently working. <laughs> oh man, that sounds... Okay, that's going to be interesting to see. I I like the visuals. What did you think of the... Uh, did you guys take a look at the Igboda uh, pet and the fact that its mouth looks like Gorsable? Oh, I didn't notice that. The 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 aboga is cool it, for another reason. Um, so this is an exciting pet for rangers. It really is from a world versus world perspective, because the aboga has a twelve hundred range pool. What I did not so, realize that. Previously, if you were in world vs. world, a lot of times when you're doing damage on the wall of a castle or or keep whatever. Uh, uh, chronomancers or mesmers will pull the enemies from the top and then you kill them. Yeah. And now rangers will be able to contribute to that as long as you have that pet up early. If you now, were really clever with offhand acts, you could also contribute. Right, but this is just a more consistent uh, and it's 1200 range. It, 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 it has some really nice potential. Holy smoke. I just thought they looked cool. Spirit, what yeah, did you think of the, the pets? Um... The Aboga's got the... God, I don't know what they're called. The beast skill? When you're merged and you have the pet utilities, it's got a confusion pool, which is kind of cool. Ranger doesn't have a lot of access to, access to confusion. And with the recent changes to how confusion works, it's basically a bleed, but kind of better. So that's that's exciting. Did they normalize most condition damage to bleed damage base? They, in PvE only... They increased the damage of Confusion and Torment to be about the same as a Bleed, I believe, or maybe exactly the same. I can't remember the patch notes, and I haven't been uh, paying close attention to the theory crafting lately because it's all going to change in a couple days anyway, and I don't really care that much. Uh, yeah, it's something like that. They reduced the active damage and increased the passive tick so that it's roughly the same as a Bleed now is what I believe is correct. Nice. Well, that's that will be very interesting to see how that affects confusion builds. Uh, speaking of confusion builds, let's actually talk about the Mirage that does a lot of confusion. Did anyone spend a significant amount of time with the Mirage? Negative. I, I did a little bit of testing. It was very, very faint. I'm not really a Mesmer player. I've heard that Mirage needs quite a bit of work from what I understand. Um... So part of the problem is 
that Mirage has conflicting mechanics currently in that it wants you to have out as many uh, illusions and so forth as you can, but it also favors you to shatter them. But if you shatter them, then a lot of the special skills that go with Mirage don't really, you don't really get the benefit from. So it sort of has a conflicting standpoint. And then Mesmer in general has the opposite problem that Ranger had in that Ranger was nerfed recently to sort of allow room for Soul Beast Condi to take its place. But base Condi Mesmer is already very strong and stronger than the Condi Mirage, which seems to be the role it's supposed to fill. So it doesn't really bring a whole lot to the table currently, and I think that we're probably going to see some changes come to this class, this elite specialization, either around launch or just after. Spirit, how did you feel with that class with the lack of movement on a dodge trigger? You know, I think it's a I think it's an interesting mechanic. I think it's fitting. Um I think a lot of people are gonna like it. I absolutely pulled my hair out because I have been told on every class for the last five years, all thousands and thousands of hours that I play, when I dodge, I am going to move. And so, especially as a PvE person where I don't need dodges as much to avoid damage, I use them to reposition a lot. Uh, And I am going to die so hard if I try and play a Mirage in a Rage right now, I'll tell you that much. I would stand in so much crap. Yeah, that would be be intense, especially like, I mean, you use dodge just to pop out quickly of even just Veil Guardian. Imagine how often you're going to be ported on Veil Guardian playing Mirage. Well, I mean, because it still evades, right? Like, you still have the evade frame. It's just that, in my mind, I expect to have moved at the end of the dodge, but I don't have to on a Mirage, which is a really cool mechanic to mess around with. Uh, But I've been conditioned to expect to move, and if I do not move, then I will be in whatever I was standing in at the start of the dodge if it lasts longer than a second. Yeah, it's it, it was an interesting class to try out. What'd you guys think of the axe? Inks, what'd you think of the axe? Did you get a chance to play around with it much? Um, It felt a little underwhelming, I think. It, it was really... Uh, so, the thing that I like about Mirage for myself, and again, I'm not a very experienced Mesmer player, but it the axe skills in general kept repositioning you into all these weird sort of confusing positions. And I could see it in something like Roaming World vs. World, which is where I think it will shine, or PvP, where it's still a little bit lackluster. I think that those can be really good, especially in the lower tiers. You know, if you're a pro player, then, you know, not so much. But for someone like me, who is like gold rank or silver, you know, high silver rank, I could see this confusing me as to which one is the real one and constantly repositioning, just kind of being annoying with those abilities. I thought it was interesting how much, yeah, they are really, this seems to be really focusing in on, like you were saying, the the Phantasm play and the fact that Phantasms are going to be super important to try and keep alive in this build because they are what you, you're able to redirect, retarget, your axe clones and you're able to teleport around them and there's even a skill that allows you to take all of your current clones regardless of where they came from and then teleport around an enemy in a uh, in a random location and and so it's it does really seem to be based on that concept of just messing with enemy players 
and trying to get them as confused as possible. And it, it, it will be interesting to see if it's something that is meant to be just a PvP spec, which is not necessarily a bad thing. The Chronomancer is pretty amazing, and as you were saying, Condi, uh, Condi, uh, Condi Mesmer is actually getting better. Uh, so it was. It is really interesting too, especially with it being a melee, having a melee weapon, and being a weapon that builds like bleeds and stuff. Which if I don't know if if maybe going full full confusion is going to be a more effective option. At which point you're probably going to be running scepter uh, to build as many confusion stacks as possible. So it's it's an interesting class uh, or spec. Uh, but yeah, I, I, we're going to have to pay more, pay attention to that one. I think, uh, I know we know a few, we have a few very mesmery folk in the guild and maybe at one point we'll get Christian on who really likes playing mesmers and get a, get a, get some mesmer feedback on the Mirage because it is definitely an interesting, interesting class. What did you guys think of the deception skills? Spirit, what did you, did you get to play with those much? Uh, so the only one that stood out to me... And I was just about to ask this, if either of you guys know, there was one skill that lets you retarget your phantasms and clones, which is huge potential. Because I I don't know if... So here's my question. I don't know if this happens. If you retarget your phantasms and clones, when the thing you originally cast them on dies, do they die anyway? Or can you carry them over between targets? You can carry them over. Okay, because if it is the latter, that is excellent, and that is a big yeah. deal. You're basically transferring an illusion from one enemy to another, and that's the, and that is the difficulty of you do. I'm not sure. Maybe you'll want as many shatters. There's a lot of traits. It seems like that, like you know, shatter or that sort of thing. Uh, for example, let's let's look at uh, shattered illusions. Maybe it's actually less of an issue than I was thinking when I was reading up on the mirage. Well, their shatter skills give vigor, which grants condition damage as one of your minor masters. So to buff the condition spec, um, which is saying, oh yeah, you gotta be shattering all the time. Maybe there's just really fast summoning. I don't know. I think that was a that was one of the criticisms I see I saw was that people couldn't get clones out fast enough. Yeah, I even went about taking skills that made extra clones, and that made it a little bit better, but. I don't know. I felt like I, I still didn't have enough uptime with that where I, I wanted to shatter, but I didn't because I still want to use some of my deception skills. Okay. Well, I think that that is definitely one we're going to have to pay a lot of attention to because I think it, it has just some interesting mechanics. And once again, numbers and things could be rejiggered in balance pass- patches. So I think that uh, I think it's got some solid ideas. There's. One other note that I'll say about Mirage is that Chronomancer is so strong in nearly every game mode that the Mirage is sort of just behind it. It's not quite on an equal footing with something like Chronomancer. And normally, that's not necessarily a bad thing or a problem, but they don't necessarily fulfill different enough roles to justify the change to something like Mirage when Chronomancer is already doing something similar but better. Of course, Chronomancer does very little damage, but that doesn't necessarily matter. That is interesting. I wonder if we will see a... We probably will, but I wonder how long it will will be before we see a change in a 
if two specs happen to overlap too much on the Venn diagram of functionality, uh, two specs on the same profession, if there will be over time a significant separation uh, of them, which I think is one thing that's kind of weird, interesting about the scourge, although which we can which we can move into. Does anyone have anything else that they want to talk about with uh, the Mirage? Any last words? All right, we're talking about necromancers then, because they're amazing. Uh, and I think that's an interesting thing about the Scourge. The Scourge has a definitely a significant support base to it. Uh, since I necromain, uh, I, I will introduce people to the Scourge really quick. Uh, it's got a it's, it's got a lot of support. It's got a lot of condition damage. In fact, I think it's definitely going to destroy the Reaper when it comes to condition damage. And this is an interesting thing because the Reaper is. We were expecting the balance patch to make it much more of a uh, power-based thing because we were assuming that Condies on the Scourge were just going to be beast, and they are. Uh, so that it's been interesting to see that, yeah, the Scourge is kind of exactly what people were expecting it to be, and yet now, it, it in my opinion, unless you really like having Reaper Shroud, Scourge seems to do a really strong job of... Uh, of establishing itself and not hurting... Because one of the big problems with Reaper... This is stream of consciousness at this point, apparently. One of the big problems with Reaper is that it requires combo fields that are generally not super useful to anyone else uh, to do a lot of damage. And Whereas the Scourges is like, I'm going to throw out all the Torment and Fire ever without taking away from people's uh, combo fields, which I think is an interesting element. Did either of you guys get a chance to play Scourge much? Thanks. Um, I played around with it a little bit. Uh, Scourge is definitely sort of on the top of my favorites list for the weekend. Now, I didn't play with it nearly enough, but a lot of people seem to be really excited with the Sand Shades. I think that they work really well from what I can tell, and uh, I'm pretty excited to get more time with it. Spirit, did you uh, spend any time with the uh, Scourge? Very, very little, actually. Do very much with it at all. I um, played with someone playing a Scourge a fair amount, but I didn't actually do it myself. I am a huge fan. Actually, yeah, the person you were playing with, that was uh, probably Squirrel, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. he, he tweeted out, like, Oh, Necro's my new main. And I'm like, no, you can't have that. You're a mesmer. Go play Mirage. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Scourge is pretty cool. From just the way that I've played Necro since Guild Wars 2 came out. In Guild Wars 1, Minion Master Necro all the way. But in Guild Wars 2, I've been very much so the Condi Necro ever since launch. Everyone was buying Berserker gear and I was like, I'm buying Carrion gear. Because uh, I want more condition damage. Because Condi will come back at some point. And, uh, and it has. But... Uh, it, it definitely seems to really fit that with, with the torment, with the burning, uh, with the interesting, very interesting, uh, guys, uh, sand shades. It's, it's gonna be really interesting to see how it plays and whether or not it's a, I, I don't think it's gonna be as complicated as Reaper damage DPS, so I'm very excited to see it, how it slots into the, raiding meta because i always feel like when i bring my necro into a raid even if i'm just doing veil guardian i just always feel like i'm dragging the team down because i'm not contributing anything except for oh i can go into a green circle oh i can do condition damage and i'm kind of excited to play a necro that is not uh purely damage 
just purely a, a subpar damage spec. Uh, so I am very excited. The torch skills are cool. There's a crazy teleport thing that at first I was confused by, but now I'm getting an idea of like, oh, hey, that's actually really useful to drop down and then go to like even very Veil Guardian, which is the boss I've fought the most because I have not killed many. Uh, it's just really interesting to see what you can do with like the teleport where it's like, oh, hey, I can drop a teleport uh, teleport into the location that I need to be. And if more people need to stack there, everyone could just pile in. Plus they're getting buffed when they pile in. So there's a lot of cool things and it's a fast, effective, uh, effective skill. So I think there's some really interesting uh, play that we're going to see with the, with the scourge and how it gets used in probably every game mode because the videos I've watched of people playing the Scourge in PvP, that thing is, it's a monster. And I am very excited, very excited yeah, to play with it. I think that's one of the exciting things about this class. Reaper is really going to need some serious power buffs to put it in its sort of proper place. Um, but Scourge is going to be good in World vs. World without a doubt. It's going to be good in PvP, probably as a bunkery kind of spec. I can definitely see being very strong. And um, not quite sure on PvE just yet, but the conditions look strong, and so it, it could have a place there. I think some people are looking at the support aspect of Scourge in PvE, and while it has some really nice things, and I think that those will be a benefit to the group, I'm not sure its main thing, the barrier, is going to be as important or or sort of as impactful as maybe arena net wants it to be currently i mean obviously that can change but uh we'll have to see how that sort of works out it'll be interesting if they if they add situations where there's just permanent pulse damage in a fight or something or there's a phase where there's like permanent where there's pulse damage and the best way to deal with it might be barrier drop heal the barrier and then once the barrier is gone heals that sort of thing uh i'm also curious to see how barrier interacts with fractals and specifically with the uh effects of agony and see if maybe that's a new way of dealing with uh agony people with low agony resist in your team who just wants to come and help if they can it will be it's going to be interesting it does seem to scale heavily with healing power like if you don't have any healing power and then you start equipping, it's like a if you go full healing power, it's like a three to four times boost. It seems like uh, from what I've seen. So I am I'm very curious to see how it plays out and what it's what it's like. Uh, yeah. So I really like the scourge. I really like the theme and the visuals and all the sand and stuff and the fire. So very excited to see how that plays out. And I will definitely be keeping you guys abreast of how the scourge plays. Uh, one of the interesting things is, and we should probably talk about this, is the, is the, and we'll talk about this actually a little bit with the Firebrand too, is the fact that there are a lot more boon sharing specs out there, uh, that seems to be trying to get away from the Phalanx Warrior, uh, meta. Spirit, did you seem mm-hmm. to notice that? Yeah, actually, I... Inks said something earlier about quickness being that way, and for me, it's might. Like, I'm really worried about how much might application is out there, especially if the Firebrand or the Scourge start coming into the raid metas, or the, you know, just meta in general. Um, I'm glad that there are alternatives to PS Warrior. Don't get me wrong. 
PS4 has been super dominant for a long time. They're not going anywhere because they've got banners. They're cemented to the raid group just like Druid and Chronomancer. But uh, I'm happy to have the alternatives. But again, um, I have a bugbear with vulnerability and raids where it's an incredibly important 25% more damage for your whole party, Condi and Power. And you don't even think about it because it's just there by virtue of having 10 people. I really don't want to see Mike go the same way. And I have a fear that if Firebrand and Scourge and some of the new elite specs that are just throwing might everywhere uh, start coming into those metas, then might is going to go the way of vulnerability. And it has the advantage of being a boon in which you have to get to 10 people rather than having 10 people focusing on one thing, uh, which is part of the reason that vulnerability is so easy to come by. But... I'm still, like, it's it's on my radar of a thing that I possibly don't like. So I like the idea that you have these offensive supports that you build for offense. I think that's what they were trying to go for with the boon nerfs recently. So condition duration foods got nerfed. We talked about that a lot. But also boons. Um, the amount of boon duration that you can get on yourself, you have to invest in it a lot more than you used to. It wasn't just you eat your food, now you're a boon person. Now you have to build. You have to get your commander's gear or... Uh, hey, remember how I was like, I really want the Diviner's gear from PvP? That would be great. Um, yeah, I just like the idea that you have to invest in being an offensive support. You build your character to be that rather than being an offensive support by virtue of being a DPS character, right? Like, I, I just, I would prefer that the roles were a little bit more separated. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. not to mention Deadeye has a build where it can share out 25 might as well. Not mm. quite as consistently as warrior but uh it could be a thing <laughs> we'll see it's also interesting because a lot of people are expecting new stat combos to come out with path of fire and if you get a condition damage uh concentration expertise or a condition damage healing power con- concentration expertise uh i mean that's going to be a no brainer for for necro for scourges because the power damage doesn't mean much when you're stacking you know 30 30 burning on a target which is something that i think we're going to have to keep an eye on and sort of see and i i i assume arena net's doing the same thing but it will be interesting to see if that affects how they build the game and how they build encounters in the game with the assumption that uh you have this this power creep in options They'll make they'll make the raid bosses immune to Condies and then nullify half the meta. <laughs> there you go. That's like half damage. If there's like a they, they release like resistance and like every boss just constantly has resistance and you just have to boon strip every half second, uh, making the the scourge even the scourge and the spellbreaker even more important. Which I feel like this is a good time to move on to the spellbreaker, which is the warrior spec and. What did you guys think of it? Uh, I know a lot of people were salty when it was announced because it got two weapons instead of just one. It got two daggers. Inks, what did you think of the double daggers? Did you get a chance to play with them? Yeah, I did a little bit. Um, The Spellbreaker is an absolute beast in World vs. World. It is going to... uh, PvP as well, but World vs. World, on any choke point, it is going to cause an extreme amount of havoc to the way that the, that game mode is currently played. Um, and there's, so, there's sort of something interesting about the Spellbreaker because a lot like in Heart of Thorns, we had the NG spec of... Uh, 
Scrapper? Scrapper, right. Couldn't think of the name. <laughs> we had Scrapper from Heart of Thorns, which was very much a PvP spec. And Spellbreaker is sort of that spec for Path of Fire, for the Warrior. Uh, which, you know, I, I know that some people are going to think or, or take that a particular way. They want to play this in PvE. It doesn't really shine there necessarily, I don't think. But Berserker really shines in PvE. So I, I will disagree with that. I definitely use the Elite skill on my Spellbreaker, and that is very shiny. Okay, please continue. For for PvE? No, it's, it's uh, just shiny, visually. like visually. It's so oh. <laughs> shiny and beautiful. Um, but, you know, speaking of endgame content mostly, um, and that's not to say that encounters can't be designed around Spellbreaker. They absolutely can be. Or Spellbreaker-like uh, classes, you know, removing boons and so forth. But it is extremely fun to play in PvP, which is really what I think it was intended for. It's extremely fun to play in World vs. World, and I think ArenaNet did a great job with this particular Elite Specialization. Spirit, did you get a chance to play the Spellbreaker much? Uh, actually, I think Spellbreaker might be the only one that I skipped over, which I'm now realizing in retrospect. Oops. It's a really cool class. Uh, I spent... Actually, weirdly enough, it sucked me in. Like, I, I am on record on this show as saying that Warriors are the worst of the professions, uh, I believe that happened three weeks ago. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, but uh, I played Spellbreaker and I was like, oh, this is really cool. The skills, the visuals, uh, they were just really interesting. Even the even the meditation effect, which I thought was an interesting, uh, just from a lore perspective, that they, they, that they have meditation is allowing them to do magic, even though they're sort of the, the one of the two non-magical classes if you count engineers being meta magical uh and visually like it was visually stunning and it had a certain speed and pace that i don't normally get when playing a warrior it might be because i'm playing a giant norn and everything feels slower on a norn but uh yeah i i really liked the the spellbreaker the yeah and the daggers were interesting they had great effects also and they just felt really good actually and the traits were also very interesting i think that there will probably be a place for the spellbreaker in pve uh i'm not quite sure exactly where we're going to see it a lot but i i know in open world pve obviously everything is everything is viable essentially um but it will be it'll be interesting to see if people find a place for it uh in ra- in the raid meta cuz with some tweaks it could be a really strong power build to replace the uh the much lamented death of the or or from what i hear the death of the power berserker build all right does anyone have any other thoughts on the on the spellbreaker if you haven't played it you should definitely take it in and and give it a try especially in something like pvp yeah it's is really cool speaking of one that is both cool and hot and and electric and, but also very grounded. We should probably talk about the Weaver spec, which made my head hurt. Both to say the last sentence and to play. Spirit, did you get a chance to play the Weaver? I did a little bit. My The majority of my 
time with Weaver was logging in. One of my read buddies was like, oh my god, you need to come stand next to me on a firebrand and poop out fury quickness and might so I can test this. Uh, <laughs> it was weird. Uh, cool to play in a way that Ellie isn't is a spec that I like, but not when I play super often. So having the Weaver like kind of getting used to the skills again and then getting used to all the new skills. Oh my goodness, the dual skills are insane to remember. It's going to be a while before I get those in my uh, <laughs> repertoire, I guess, my ability to use them without going, I am just going to press this button and wonder what it does. Um, yeah, it brings back sta- stance dancing in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, it's it's kind of been around in like a diminished version on Fresh Air Ellie where you're bouncing back and forth between two, but you're not really bouncing all around. I'm kind of hopeful that we might see that on a Weaver, although the rotations that are emerging, uh, my raid guild was looking at two power, which was uh, lightning, lightning, fire, fire, lightning, lightning, fire, fire, back and forth like that. Condi was earth, earth, fire, fire, back, earth, earth, fire, fire, back and forth like that. Um but I'm hopeful that we'll be able to get some stuff in from the other specs or the other uh, attunements because I would really like to see more of that. I know when I was playing it just in in general, messing about in the lobby with pulling various uh, the the profession NPCs that you fight, I found that I was touching all the different stances, which was pretty fun, and I liked the. I'm not. I'm not a huge PvP or World World person, so I'm not totally sure what purpose the Elite fills, other than it feels freaking cool to, like, cycle through all of them, and you're like, yeah, I did it, and then you've got all these bonuses that are kind of sporadic and not necessarily super helpful, but, yeah, I don't know, I like the, I like the cut of its jib a lot, and it sounds like it's gonna be a good DPS spec. It's got crazy damage modifiers on it, which is kind of, like, both good and bad, like, it when you look at it from a PvE side, you're like, oh, that has a damage modifier. That means it's competitive with such and such, and it, it's got this. It's going to be good damage. Um, but looking at it from a, oh, this trade is interesting standpoint, not so much, because it's just a flat number. They have been trying to get away from that in recent times. To, so to see the, the Weaver have, like, three or four of them, even, was a little bit disappointing, because you just pick the, I do 10% more damage now traits, and that's a little bit of a disappointment. Um, but I didn't really look at it outside of the, this might be more damage in PvE raids than Tempest, the thought line. Did you guys look at other options for it? I, I think Tempest, um, sort of fares better in PvP over Weaver, which is, again, it's not a bad thing. World vs. World, I'm not entirely sure. What sort of excites me about Weaver in any game mode, really? is that you're going to have... It's kind of like Baselli from 2012. You're going to have a lot of people like myself who don't really understand what the heck is going on and you're just pushing all of the buttons because you want to and cool stuff is happening and you usually kill stuff pretty quickly. Um, But then, of course, there's always going to be somebody who comes up with a sort of a basic rotation to follow or advice on you want to switch into this or that when you're trying to prevent or counter another class, which is always fun. And I think Weaver has possibly 
the highest payoff potential for players who like sort of that more um, detailed sort of level of play. I, I can certainly be kind of a lazy player. You know, you fall into sort of these muscle memory rhythms and you just do your thing and you kill stuff and you move on. And I think Weaver on some levels, maybe not so much PVE, but on some levels I think is going to have a lot of counteractivity depending on what's happening in the game state. And it's going to be up to the player to know exactly when to switch into what and why. And I think that could have huge like payoff potential. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those ones that feels like you need to to really play it the way that I would feel comfortable with. You would I would really have to just sort of nail down the specifics of like, okay, as this character, I know that I can do this. I appreciate the fact that I can't weapon swap on an Ellie because if you could, it would hurt a lot more in my head. Uh, so I'm I am really curious to see how it plays and if I if it's something I can actually wrap my head around because I am very much so like the fire air and then occasionally earth person with a staff and what's really cool about weaver is that yes you get sword as which a lot of Ellie's wanted as a new weapon but all of the other weapons have special interaction with weaver which a lot of the other elite specs just don't get that sort of level of mm-hmm. design and I think that's really cool because, yes, you might be tempted to go sword, but staff has its own interactions and interchangeabilities that could probably really shine through in particular game modes, which I think is nice. And the last sort of really big exciting thing is that somebody will figure out sort of a base rotation and such such for Weaver that players can learn from, and that's fantastic. But some special person is going to come along and sort of just bust the door open and say... He, there's a level of power here that you don't even understand because <laughs> you haven't discovered it yet, and it's going to take it to a whole other level. And to me, that's really exciting. And that's what Ellie was like in 2012. We had this dungeon meta that didn't really include Elementalist. Um, and then people figured out, like, holy crap, Elementalist does a crap ton of damage. Why haven't we been using this? And it's just that people didn't crack the code, so to speak, on how strong it really was and it really changed the game from there on out yeah so i'm i'm very excited to see what weaver does i think i'm going to be more excited to watch videos of people playing weaver and being like ah that person's really good at the uh, at the micro uh button smacking can't wait for the boots bad builds on all the elite (laughs) specs to be honest oh those should be glorious oh man well speaking of glorious and really putting a mark on the next profession spec, we should talk about the Deadeye. Who, uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the Deadeye, because I gotta play him a bit, and I gotta play him alongside, uh, one of our resident thief mains, Eevee, in the guild. And he was, I think my first experience with the Deadeye was him saying, holy smokes, I just did a 30k crit on something. And, uh, so, it's, a pretty crazy class. The closest example of anything that I have to how it plays, weirdly enough, is from Star Wars: The Old Republic with the with the smuggler and the uh, and the uh, inquis not inquisitor, the smuggler and the agent, the Sith agent. 
where you would sort of kneel down behind a, a temporary cover and shoot out and snipe from that location. Uh, Inks, did you get a chance to play Dead Eye much? A little bit. Um, I sort of uh, talked to Brazil quite a bit, who was actually pretty excited for this class. He plays a lot of Thief. I talked to Age Night Road, who plays quite a bit of Thief as well, and I don't know what kind of structured PvP presence it will have, just because the setup is a little bit time-consuming. But in World vs. World, I mean, obviously, there's going to be some, you know, if, if people already disliked Thieves in that game mode for sort of sniping them off and singling them out, Deadeye is sort of built to do that. Uh, and like you said, 30k crits, some really big, crazy numbers with Deadeye. It also has some possible PvE connections as well. And it'll be interesting to see how those builds sort of develop over time. Rifle feels really good and smooth. Going into crouched stance doesn't feel as prohibitive as some people probably think it is. And like you were saying, it it really is sort of remnant. Like for me, it wasn't a big deal because I did play SWOTOR. I was used to those classes, so it felt very natural for me. But Deadeye has some pretty good potential. And and maybe one of the other really exciting things about Deadeye is that it feels very different to, from Daredevil and, and from Base Thief, but in a way that still makes it seem extremely viable in a number of game modes. Yeah, I really... It's, it's just really an interesting... It gives a lot of interesting functionality that thieves have been asking for for a while with the ranged attacks and that sort of thing. And it's I'm looking forward to hearing stories about how Deadeyes defend walls in in WV Dub because uh, I feel like they're going to be almost like their own little siege emplacement. And if you like try and charge a, a line of like five Deadeyes on a on a wall, you are going to just get destroyed, which I'm excited for. Maybe even end up with some sniper v sniper events going on where two teams of dead eyes are trying to kill each other, which could be exciting. Uh, Spirit, did you get a chance to play the dead eye? Uh, I did mess with it a bit, not a ton. I so I my original main pre heart of thorns was was a thief, uh, and I love that character. It's my oldest character. I'm gonna keep playing it. I play it all the time, just not in raids. So I knew that I was gonna play my first story playthrough on Path of Fire with my Deadeye, which I've, I mean, I've already got all the hero points and everything. Like, I am ready to go if, you know, if it works out the same way as Heart of Thorns. Uh, so I didn't spend a ton of time with it other than to just have a look through the skills and see what it did. I... Nothing super stood out to me in terms of like, ah, oh, this is a game changer for PvE. Uh, the Fire for Effect skill, the, the trait... I think that's what it's called the the trait that shares might around that got me excited because the might affects 10 targets which is kind of interesting it's not a lot of skills that do that it could be have some interesting applications pve world v world i was thinking veil guardian you might have like a cool thief rifle build that could maintain might on the green circle team or whatever for groups that are running slightly off meta comps um the there was some synergy with pistols like a really cool gunslinger build that people were throwing around where you get 
Oh, I can't. I can't remember exactly. It was like you get you, but basically you you maintain quickness on yourself and might because you just spam unload over and over again, and then you get to refresh your mark because you kill a target and then you switch to the next one. And you pew 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 pew. That that seemed pretty cool. Um, I'm watching rifle really closely because rifle is the only weapon in the game, emitting the underwater weapons that doesn't really have a role in any build in high end PVE. Which, on one hand, I'm like, damn, that is pretty good balance that they managed to catch every weapon except one. On the other hand, I'm like, oh, man, I'd really like a rifle build to to shine somehow. And rifle just doesn't... It's across all classes. They they have pretty good... They tend to keep like weapon types uniform. Like, this is a Condi melee weapon on most classes. So for rifle, it's a range, power, single target weapon. And there's like three stri- strikes against it there where it kind of spells death for it in pve where you know single target not that great because you want to cleave things a lot of the time power can be good but tends to suffer from like condi weapons are often ranged and do condis and they don't suffer from the reduction in damage like they tend to balance melee weapons higher because there's that risk reward of you're in melee so you should do more damage whereas if you're ranged you're not taking damage so you do less damage and then yeah, just kind of a, yeah, I don't know. I just really want to see a rifle build because it's a cool weapon, but they just tend to not ever appear. And it's it's only the third class that rifles ever appeared on. So hopefully Deadeye is the one where it becomes a thing because I'd like to use it. Well, I, you know, I'd like to use it in high-end PvE, but I'm going to be using it in open world all the time for a bunch of stuff. Just mm, piddling around with my pistol build or plinking away at world bosses from 1500 range. Also... <laughs> Speaking of 1500 range, I cannot wait for the raid and fractal pugs who sit so far away that they will never, ever, ever, ever see a boon. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I don't want to get close to Veil Guardian. I'm just going to sit here halfway across the map and just shoot at him. <laughs> Veil Guardian is my go-to example tonight, and it will be for the rest of the night. Speaking of Veil Guardian and all of its holographic imagery that it exists with, uh, do we want to move on to the Holosmith? Sure. All right. Uh, Spirit, why don't you give us a rundown on the Holosmith? Cool. I don't know anything about it, so you guys can tell awesome. me all about it. Great. I So I picked it up thinking, ah, yeah, Scrapper was a PvP spec. They know that we thought that Scrapper was a PvP spec. Surely Holosmith will be the one for PvE. And I picked it up, started messing around with it, and I went, yeah, all these abilities are really cool. They look great. Um... I don't know what it's supposed to do. <laughs> is it supposed to be a damage class? Is it supposed to be, like, I don't know. It's just, like, a weird, is it Condi? Is it Power? Is it, I, I'm not quite sure. And maybe it's just because I don't play enough Engineer. I don't, I don't have a clear idea of what it's trying to do or what it wants to be other than look super cool. I mean, maybe you guys have more ideas about it than me, but I just didn't, it didn't resonate with me as much as everyone's like, oh, it's so cool. And people are saying, oh, it's the most popular class, which I think that's one of those statistics that people are pulling out their butts, but. I don't know. I just don't know what to make of it. I played a fair amount of it, and yeah, it's it's got some it's got some bipolar nature uh, on the damage front, definitely. Because there's like some skills that are like, oh, hey, you do burning, and that's like why you would use this skill. But so much of it seems like a power class, but yet it just throws random condition damage, and it's like. Do you want us to do both? I don't fully understand what you're trying to do. I mean, with the class it's entirely from a possible. Design perspective. 
I mean, we talked about the grieving gear earlier, which is um, power, condition damage, main, precision, ferocity off. And, and NG is one of those, again, that does a significant amount of power damage. Like, even in the existing builds, does a significant amount of power damage alongside the Condi. So it could be that we just weren't looking at it with the right gear sets. But I don't know, man. It just didn't So just didn't it might actually be one of those ones that's like, well, it doesn't do a lot of power damage. It doesn't do a lot of Condi damage. But it's doing both of them simultaneously, so it's meant to be sort of both of them. That's mm. an interesting idea. I wonder if that's that's something that can actually work. Inks, did you get a chance to play with the Hollow Smith much? Yeah, so Hollow Smith is like the Necromancer uh, Elite spec. It was. It's definitely like in my top three, probably. And, uh, you know, I think you're right. I think that, like I said about Soul Beast, where it has the possibility to perhaps benefit from grieving, I think Hollow Smith will definitely benefit from the grieving stats. It could also be built in a Condi way. It could also probably be built in a power way. But I think the I think the key build will probably be, be a mix of both now that that gear set's going to be a thing for Path of Fire. And... You know, as far as being a fan favorite and stuff, you know, a lot of people love it, but I think some of that is just the effects look really cool. You know, they're they're all shiny and lots of stuff is happening and it's exciting. And the other thing is, as far as playing it in PvP, it's a very damage-oriented spec. It's a very glass cannon, all or nothing, just smashes face in PvP. It just has access to just a lot of cool interactions uh, for that game mode. And I think for PvE, it's it definitely has a place as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see what people end up doing with this. Um, I happen to like Sword. I know some people were saying like they didn't really like Sword. And I've seen uh, Chaith, who is a big engineer, pro player. Um, he was playing with Rifle in PvP, and he was really enjoying that interaction. But, you know, Sword Shield for PvP or Sword Pistol perhaps for PvE, I think both of those are going to be really fun to sort of play with. And I, what really excites me too is the way that they have the traits set up in that the traits for Hollowsmith are sort of done vertically themed rather than horizontally like a lot of classes. And so when you're building this, you can definitely have a build where you're trying to keep your energy between 50 and 100 or maybe 50 and 150 if you want to take that trait. And the higher that that energy is, the heat is, it's actually called heat, the more damage and effects that a lot of your utilities and stuff do. And so you want to maintain that as much as possible. There's another build that is totally opposite to this, where you want to have maximum heat and actually blow up. And there is you take damage from blowing up, but there's a trait, that stops you from taking the initial damage and only take the tick damage. And I think both of those builds have viable play styles. I think they're going to have viable places in the composition. And that in itself is pretty exciting. Yeah, it it, it's, it is going to be really interesting to see where it, where it ends up living. Because, uh, yeah, it's it's got a lot of cool skills. And it'll be interesting to see, yeah, just how that balance of, of going into the 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 hollow uh armory mode and out how those how that really does play with with the hollow smith and and how that how that works out uh all right yeah any other uh ideas on any other 
response on the Hallsmith. It's definitely got some interesting skills that uh, uh, are going to be fun to play with. I just thought it was a super cool detail that the trait line... Uh, somebody pointed out that essentially you are building your own photon forge by doing the trait lines. So whichever traits you pick are like the parts that you put into your forge and then everyone has a different one. Just appreciated that tiny little detail. Yeah, that was that was neat to uh they talked about that actually on the uh the Ruby on Guild Wars 2's uh developer diary discussion about it. And that yeah, that is a really neat detail. They apparently they started with uh building your own lightsaber, which is why you have the lightsaber weapon that uh that characters have. But it's not a lightsaber, it's a laser sword because lightsaber is trademarked by Disney. <laughs> Speaking of something that is uh, not trademarked by Disney, uh, did anyone get a chance to play the Renegade much? A little bit. Um, so for most of the part of Thorns, I was a Revenant main. Uh, like I had said previously, Druid didn't really blow my hair back. And one of the things that interested me about Revenant was that I knew not a lot of people would play it eventually once the dust had settled and I liked the energy mechanic and what I thought it was going to be. Turned out I was wrong on how the energy mechanic would end up working. But So I played Revenant quite a bit throughout Heart of Thorns. I'm not the biggest fan of Condi Rev, its rotation and the way it feels. And Renegade is sort of going to build upon Condi Rev. In PvE, it's going to be Condi Rev Plus. Um, this is the opposite of Spellbreaker because... Spellbreaker really shines in PvP and World vs. World, and Renegade really shines in PvE, but it's not really that good in PvP or World vs. World. Um, now, you will take the Renegade trait line for World vs. World, because the trait line is just clear upgrades, so that's a bonus. But as far as using Kala Scorch Razor and some of her abilities, which are rather costly... I don't think that that's really going to be a thing for World vs. World players, but in PvE, there definitely will be a rotation. Shortbow feels good for the class. It's this medium range that Revenants really lack, and so that's going to add, I think, a lot more playability. And it's a fast, responsive weapon, where Hammer, which is long-ranged, is a slow sort of weapon for Revenant. I was intri- I was intrigued with the Renegade by how the minions worked, how the summons worked. Uh, I was when they first announced it, I was wondering if maybe you would be getting summons that would follow you around uh, and sort of function like necro summons, but on an energy cost scale, uh, which which they are not. They tend to stand in, stay in one place as a general rule and have a effect in that area. Uh, and they're they're pretty interesting. I know that uh, Wooden Potatoes compared them to the Ritualist as far as the buffs and all of that stuff that they can do. Did uh, what did you think, uh, Spirit? Did you get a chance to play with her summons and her warband characters? Uh, a bit. I wasn't super impressed. Like, I I obviously see the synergies with the Condi build and stuff. Like everyone around you starts playing bleeding. That's great. Or everyone around you starts applying CC. That's great. Um, but I. Actually, don't. I'm not a huge fan of Revenant. I've played, a, I've geared two of them, and I play around with it a little bit. But it just doesn't. Part of the reason it's not fun to me is because I don't get to choose my utilities. I choose the legend, and then I'm stuck with the utilities. And I either don't like some of the utilities, or just feel that they're not used at all. And so I'm not super keen on that. And I feel like it, it's it's that way again with uh, Kala. 
where she's got, yep, I cast this one on cooldown, and I ignore these three, and then I swap legends, and I cast this one on cooldown, and I ignore these three, and then I swap my legends, and it doesn't. I really like elite specs when they're like, hey, we're going to cha- really change up how you how you play this class. This is going to be different. Like the, the whole reason I changed to Druid, I used to... I had a ranger, but I didn't really play it, and that was because I didn't like how the ranger played. It was very fire and forget, wasn't a huge fan of the weapons, and so I dabbled in it once in a while. But Druid changed it so that I had this new skill set that I was like, yeah, yeah, I like this. This is more reactive than the the ranger that I used to know. But Renegade doesn't feel like it's changing the Revenant in that way to me. It just seems like it has some different utilities, and that's it. So I'm not super fussed about it. Yeah, one of the problems Revenants suffer from is rather than managing your energy, you really just drain it and switch, drain it and switch. It's just yeah. the same thing. And and like Spirit was saying, there's a lot of skills that you just won't, e- like a lot of utilities you won't ever use. And you can't switch them out, which didn't really bother me necessarily for a long time, but it does mean a more of a laid back, maybe you could even say boring play style. Uh, certainly a limited play style. Yeah, I will say I played it. I, it did not inspire me necessarily. I like some of the dialogue that you have with it. And I think I think people who are Revenant mains will enjoy this this spec. Um, but I'm not sure if it's if it's necessarily going to it's not a world it's not a it's not like the scourge level of now Necromancer is a massively different class or a different function uh, level of change. It's it's very much so just a continuation. And I don't know if maybe this is because... And that was sort of a thing with the first-gen uh, first specs, is it was a, is a lot of them were sort of continuations of the function, except for, you know, a few standouts like Druid. Um, and But a lot of them were just continuations uh, on what had existed before and sort of a defining the the professions a little bit. Uh, so maybe this is like because it's the Revenant's first gen spec, sort of. I mean, technically they have two elite specs, but maybe this is more of them just sort of uh, figuring out and sort of wanting to be a little bit safer with a with a profession that they don't that they are not as familiar with necessarily from balancing because it's so so much newer than the others. Yeah, I feel like Revenant in general needs a complete overhaul to core and to elite specs. For it to shine a little more than it does. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it gets balanced and changed up as we move into the actual launch and then afterwards, and see see if they can sort of figure out a way to differentiate a little bit better. Uh, speaking of bring of reworking things and bringing them back, uh, does anyone else have anything that they want to say about Renegade before I move on to Firebrand? All right, we're moving on to Firebrand, and oh my goodness, we're going to do this quickly because the Firebrand gives you a ton of quickness and burning, and I have a burning need to get to some Twitter polls in a little bit. So let's talk about the Firebrand. Spirit, tell me about the Firebrand. Firebrand might be... Firebrand is the one I'm most interested in playing, the one I'm most interested in seeing come into the PvE meta. I don't know how many of you raid or have to deal with this, but finding a good chrono to stay with your raid group for a long time is like finding a gem. Uh, and we're, we've been fortunate enough, en- uh, to, enough to have that, but it's definitely not for everybody. And so looking 
at uh, popular profession guardian, uh, giving it a role that's pretty necessary for raids. That um, that quickness buffer role. I was really keen on figuring out if we could make it work. Um, oh, it sure as heck puts out a lot of might and quickness and fury. Uh, it's a really great team buffer. It didn't quite hold up to what I was hoping in terms of uh, group buffs. I don't think it'll replace the Chronomancer. Um, but not that it's its fault. It's because of Alacrity. So I think I've been watching the Chrono builds really with interest since the last balance patch because there's kind of a power DPS Chrono on the cusp of being a thing. Uh, and definitely not meta yet. I wouldn't. I wouldn't use it yet. But it, it's like kind of almost there. And if you could get a Chrono to be a DPS, but also do Alacrity, then you would have room for somebody who does Quickness but not Alacrity. Um, I was hoping Renegade would give enough Alacrity that you could mix, like you could put the two of them together, Firebrand and Renegade, and they could replace a Chrono. Renegade did not live up to that. I don't think at all. It barely puts out any Alacrity. So. Yeah, I'm just left with this like, oh, this is an amazing, cool idea. I really hope it can it can work its way into meta groups, and I'm just not seeing it right now. Um, but not to mention it because it it looks freaking cool. Like not just visually, but um, the way it puts up buffs, the number of utility skills that you can have. I'm really excited to get my hands on it and try a bunch of different builds on it. I want to try some healing builds on it because there's some interesting things you can do with healing. You can, there's a, there's a minor that when you have quickness, it gives you 250 extra healing power. So I was getting up to around 2000 healing power, which is nuts. I play a Magi's Druid and I get to around 1600 now after the utility nerf. So it's 400 higher healing power, even with the poopy healing modifiers that guardians have in their existing skills. The reworks to, staff recently make empower more he- attractive healing option and then you've got the firebrand traits that let you keep the passive on so you run that with virtues and you've got like a 400 passive tick heal that's always ticking no matter whether you've got your tomes out or not you've got your regen you've got all your heal skills um you've got that interesting signet trait that lets you share the healing so you can do like share the elite heal and then everybody heals for everyone around them for like a thousand when it ticks or something. I don't know. There's like a lot of cool interactions with Firebrand that I want to explore. And that's what really appeals to me in an elite spec. Like I've got all these new options for my toolkit. And I'm like, yeah, I just can't wait to get in there and, and test all this stuff out. So I'm, I'm really excited about Firebrand, whether it ends up in the meta or not. That's going to be my pet elite spec for this expansion, I think. What did you think of the uh, Firebrand inks? Um... I think for a PvE, it's going to be really great. I think there's obviously going to be a Condi Firebrand spec. The burning is is really strong. In PvP, I think that people will probably work it out, but it feels a bit slow. Sort of the Tome interaction and the Mantra interaction. If you have them pre-charged, it's not so bad, and, and you don't want to use all three charges. But I think it's really interesting um really excited for world vs world and pve for this one myself yeah i'm very excited that uh i will finally be able to have a one of the professions that i think i'll actually be using an axe a lot with and since i have an axe legendary i'm like yay footfalls and stuff 
very much so fashions wars player i guess but uh yeah i i really like it it looks super cool and uh what'd you guys think of the tomes spirit uh did you get to play with the tomes much i'm very curious about those yeah i again i want to spend a lot more time with them but initial impressions are they're kind of slow and clunky to use which is a pain like I've got all these great utility. It's almost like pulling up a new utility bar, like having kits on an NG. But yeah. You can still have your utilities. So it just, it's very different. You have a lot more access to a lot more skills on Guardian than you normally do. But when I want to use them, there's the cast time of the tome and then the cast time of the skill. And then by that point, kind of what I wanted to use them for, I think is going to have passed. Yeah, they're, they, it seems to be that they are going to be very much so a you have to know what's coming and it's going to be part of your sort of prep. Like you have to be ready with the right tome at the right time and queued up. So you'll be doing, if you want to be good at, if someone wants to be good at tomes, they're going to be queuing the tome up like a half second before they need it or a second before they need it. And then they're just sitting there ready with it and able to just go straight into whatever skills they need from it. Yeah, but having the, like, they have a giant resistance symbol that gives... Oh, man, I can't... I probably was running... I assumed that I was running Boon Duration something. I think it was giving, like, four or five seconds of resistance on a pulse, which is nuts. Uh, I see great applications for that, like Slothosaur, Matthias, things like that. Work it into your your rotation. Um, the reflect bubble. You need a reflect bubble, like, just on your bar. Why would you even... I mean, okay, there's reasons to slot, slot wall of reflection stuff. But it's just, you just have one now. And it's a bubble. That's great, because bubble's a little bit more reliable to aim than walls, kind of. Um, yeah, the very interesting skills on there. The pirouette thing, did you see that? The two on the healing tome was a little bit weird. The one where you do <laughs> like, like a spin okay, and then spin stuff now. happens? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it's okay, but the animation was weird to me. The... Uh, there was a like a fountain or something that increased incoming healing, yeah, which could be crazy. And there's one that increases outgoing healing on, I think, a target. Like you can like a specific person or a group mm. of people, you can throw like thirty percent increased heals on. And so there's yeah, a lot of just that's the one I was crazy yeah. things that is. It's going to be really interesting to see how how the Firebrand plays. I'm kind of excited. I've been sort of when I heard the Firebrand was coming, I was like, okay, I think I'm probably going to need to start playing my uh, my my Guardian a little bit more because it looks pretty cool. You know, what's really interesting too. No, a lot of the elite specs have this, but I'm I'm looking at Firebrand right now, and it is so steeped in Crystal Desert lore, like all of the skills. You know, purify your allies with the water from Abnoon and increase healing. Tales of desert blooms create a wave of healing. Uh, recount the stand of Elonian loyalists against Paolo Ajoko. Like, it's just so... You know, one of the things people complained about Heart of Thorns was that there was no... Like, why am I a druid? You know, there's no story there. I'm just a druid. But with the Path of Fire elite specializations, they all seem to have a story and flavor text and that sort of thing wrapped into it. Yeah, I'm actually kind of indifferent neutral on that on my skills. Like I'm okay with it, but 
I like the idea that our characters like go into the desert and learn, like you, you talk to the hollow Smith character that we found in the demo and he's like, Oh, I'm a hollow Smith. I do this. And your engineer is like, ah, that's really cool. I'm going to integrate it in my play style, but I'm a Silvari. So I'm going to do it in a different way. Like I don't, I don't necessarily feel that my firebrand would, be, uh, being a Norn, maybe she would invoke the spirits of the wild to inspire people instead of, uh, the desert stuff. So I'm not a huge fan of that on the, tooltips and stuff as much as I am integrating them into the world and like this is what a Hollowsmith does in the context of the Crystal Desert but again indifferent neutral if it's if it's flavor then and headcanon is gonna win anyway headcanon always wins speaking of headcanon I did a twitter poll yesterday of who who what people are most excited for with specific specs so as we start to close out, is there anything else that you guys, any last things you'd like to say about the about the new specs from your experience? I guess just that uh, elite specs were absolutely the biggest thing about Heart of Thorns for me that made it, that gave it a two-year lifespan for me. I mean, I would not be playing right now if I didn't have the elite spec build craft to mess around with. So I'm really looking forward to having more options. Um, I know that just from past experience from the base game and from when Heart of Thorns came out, I would play a bunch of classes and I would go, oh, this one isn't really my jam. Okay. You know, and then I'd come back to it a year later and I'm like, actually, they changed this build and I really like it now. And so I've ended up playing eight of nine classes pretty extensively with only the Revenant kind of left out in the cold. Um, so even though I'm a little bit lukewarm on some of the upcoming elite specs, I'm really excited for all of them. And I'm, I can't wait for the community to get their hands on them and, work out some builds that maybe I didn't think of to make me re- more receptive to the ones I didn't like initially. Awesome. Well, let me uh, get to the Twitter polls then, and uh, then we'll hit cast cast really quick uh, and and say good evening because we are on, this is a long one tonight. So uh, I asked three questions. I asked because there you can only put four things down on a Twitter poll. I asked three questions, one about the Scholar Specs, Adventurer Specs, and Soldier Specs. And so the first one that I asked about was Scholar Specs, and which is the mo- which Scholar Spec are players most excited for? We got 52 responses. 31% of the people were excited for the Scourge. 17% were excited for the Mirage. And 37% are very excited for the Weaver. Uh, and 15% of the people were wondering, what is a Scholar? I don't, I don't know what that is. We got three actual written responses as well, with Squirrel uh, saying that Scourge is the love child of a Guild Wars 2 Mesmer, Guild Wars 1 Ritualist, and Ventari Revenant, and he is so ready for a new defensive support role. Gord the Norn wrote in and said, Weaver, it's really intriguing to him. And Cthulhus wrote, uh, he's always made Necro, but he wasn't impressed with the Scourge, and maybe a more in-depth look would change his mind, but he loved the Weaver. And I think that's interesting, because I think the Scourge is going to be pretty divisive for the long-term Necro players, especially those who really fell in love with the Revenant's design. Moving on to the Adventurer spec. I, I asked which Adventurer spec they were most excited for, and Deadeye actually weirdly came in last uh, with 9%. There were only 44 votes on this one. Deadeye was 9%. 27% people said Soul Beast. 34% said they were excited for the Hollow Smith. And 30% responded to my statement of no more trench coats. So <laughs> there you go. They would maybe maybe fewer trench coats out there, Arena. Uh, 
And Christian also replied that the Holosmith, the Engineer Elite specialization, might actually be interesting in PvE content as compared to the Scrapper. And last but not least, we got 41 votes on which soldier spec are people most excited for. 20% said Spellbreaker, 24% said Renegade, 34% said Firebrand, with 22% responding no to all soldier specs because their helmets hide their hair. And uh, Christian replied by saying that the Firebrand is finally bringing role diversity to the quickness meta, and he's also very excited for all the burning that Firebrand's bringing. So as we head close out, uh, I think that we've established kind of the specs that we're most excited for. I am very excited for Scourge and Firebrand. Inks, what are your top two specs that you want to that you want to that you think you're going to be playing a lot of? I'm going to look a lot more in detail at Hollow Smith and Soul Beast. Very nice, Spirit. You. Firebrand and Deadeye, probably. Very nice. All right, take us into CastCast, Spirit. All right, hello and welcome to CastCast, the podcast about the cast of other podcasts and style cast of other podcasts this week on CastCast. Um, I don't have anything to pimp, but maybe Inks, do you have any community efforts or things that you would like to share with everyone? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to drop that on you. Well, I specifically have Pink Day in LA. They keep popping up on Twitter and reminding us that uh, we are approaching October. Uh, it is just a little over a month away now. And so Pink Day in LA will be happening as it does every year. So look into where, what, uh, what groups on your server cluster are hosting Pink Day in LA and check and see what they, uh, what they're up to. Uh, usually there's a raffle that can go on and maybe if you want to contribute early on to, to that effort, if they are collecting donations, I don't know if they currently are, but, uh, yeah, look and see what you can help that will be going towards breast cancer research. And so, yeah, check that out. Uh, and back to you, Inks, any, any, uh, things that you want to pimp out in the community? Uh, most of the people I know are either at Gamescom or getting ready for PAX West, so I don't I don't really have anything going on at the moment, I don't think. All right. Well, if you guys see Grybok, a.k.a. Justin, at the PAX West uh, meet and greet for Guild Wars 2, say hi to him and tell him that uh, you apparently listen to our podcast. And that is all for this episode of Relics of War, episode 206. Uh, it has been a pleasure spending the evening with you, Inks and Spirit. I hope that you guys have a great time. I'm going to bed pretty quick. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com, email us at relicsofwar at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.